0: Donna Dort. Donna Dort. Donna Dort. This is Lee Dort, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lee Dort, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Josh Giddy, and
1: I'm down to dunk. Hey, this is Kenny Hussle, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Darius Bailey, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Mascala, and I'm down to dunk. This is Poco and I'm down to dunk. I love cereal, Captain Crunch, cinnamon Toast Crunch, Cracklin Oat Bran. Oh, I can have these? I'm going to share with my team, but I'm a hog monster. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Wednesdays is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? find us! Oh gosh, uh, we are going to do uh, Summers of Sam, Volume Five today, which includes the five. 2018 uh, off season, 2017 and 2018. 17. 17, and if we get to it, 18 off
2: season. I assume we'll get there yeah. today. There's a lot. I have four pages of notes just on 2017. There's a whole lot.
1: Hey, I th- I don't know that your mic is connected to Streamyard.
2: <sighs> Oh, brother. You might check that out, my brother. Oh, my gosh. And see. Okay, hold Um, on now, hold on now. How'd that sound? Oh, so much better, so much better.
1: I don't hear the swishiness of your coat anymore. I don't know why I didn't hear it before, before we started. Uh, Kevin Durant decided yesterday that all of this kerfuffle about getting traded, it's not worth it anymore. He wants to stay. Uh, What was your reaction when you found out?
2: Uh, I think this was the most likely scenario, Andrew. And I was just wondering when it was going to happen. And you would hear, uh, I forget who it was. I don't know if it was his brother or someone close to Kevin Durant was like, oh, he's definitely not coming back to Brooklyn. Yeah. Like there's no chance. That was like a few weeks ago. So that made me question it a little bit. But I did always feel like this is where it was going to end up just because none of these deals make any sense. I mean, you had yeah. Suns fans like, why wouldn't they take Mikael Bridges in three picks? It's like, <laughs> what, what are we talking about? It's
1: Kevin Durant. This is never going to
2: happen. Yeah, and and the the Boston deal was the only one where I thought maybe there could be something there eventually. Yeah, because they are offering up Jalen Brown, and if you offered up enough picks, perhaps that would be enough to get it done. Clearly, wasn't, and maybe it will be in season. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think this is a guarantee of anything. I mean, this is this Brooklyn team has been theoretical now for three seasons. Well, they're just we now haven't...
1: deciding to focus on basketball. Just now. I,
2: I would appreciate that because they've been one of the more exhausting teams to talk about in the league. We like have to talk about them. Mm-hmm. But there's very little on court to talk about these last couple of years.
1: Yeah, they've, they've got the boardroom watermark on the uh, Brooklyn Nets press release. How do we feel very about cool. that?
2: Very cool. Super cool, man. I love brands. It's
1: very weird. It's still such a weird situation. Um, I think it's... If if you're looking for a way to tie it to the Thunder, because we are selfish human beings and we need need this to be about us somehow, uh, is that the possibly these picks that the Rockets got aren't as great as they seemed three weeks ago?
2: Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that I mean that is the one reason to root for. I really now that you said that. Okay, I do want. brooks back I really in. I do want this to work. <laughs> we I want reeled you to back in, Al. Yeah, you know, when you start thinking about it and, you know, Ben Simmons is going to come back healthy. You got a team with Kyrie, who vaccines aren't an issue anymore, so he'll be healthy. KD's healthy. Ben Simmons is healthy. They got a great bench. Hey, Joe Harris is coming back. Royce O'Neal. Royce O'Neal. Seth Curry. Royce O'Neal. Nick Claxton.
1: That's a good team. I mean... Is this the most talented team in the East is the question that we need to be asking ourselves.
2: I mean... That's this is why I hate talking about them because it's like it's all theoretical. It's like <laughs> if we're talking two yeah, K slid- sliders. Yes. Yeah, if you just made this team in two K, I bet they'd be pretty good. Yeah, and turned off injuries, turned off vaccines, turned off vaccines. <laughs> That's <laughs> what's happening feature. this year.
1: That's what's happening this year. Vaccines and injuries are being turned off in Brooklyn and uh, that pick swap won't come into play, where you really, you just need this team to do, if you're a Thunder fan, you're rooting for the Nets to do well this year so they can just keep it together, because they do have, the Rockets have a pick swap in this next draft, which probably won't matter, but the following year, they do have their pick, and so you want them to be good, and that's also a year where potentially the Thunder have the Rockets pick, and if Things go okay, and like the Rockets end up with like the fifth pick. Well, that's the Thunder's pick, and then you know the Nets could have been like be in the twenties. So,
2: yeah, and and the other thing though is like Joe Tsai does not seem interested in a rebuild, even if they do eventually trade KD. So I think the hope is that even if this doesn't work out in Brooklyn, maybe. He boost, maybe Kevin Durant boosts his trade value. That sounds weird, but maybe <laughs> these deals that are coming in, these offers are a little bit better. Yeah. So that the resulting Nets team is still like solid. Yeah. Even even if they're like ninth or tenth, that that wouldn't be that wouldn't be too bad for us. Yeah. For us, <laughs> we're talking about us wanting in our, in our Houston feelings. to not get a good picks. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. This is about this is about us. Uh. All right. anything else i think that's the only thing going on in the nba uh training yeah camp is in like a month from now like a little bit over a month we have thunder media day which
2: will we great. did find out that uh vite is is rehabbing an injury he's not actually playing in yeah. the the tournament yeah i don't know what injury that is but
1: i don't know i mean he had that knee surgery on exit interview day. Um I don't know if it's the same one. Obviously, you know, he played in summer league, but maybe he tweaked it. I don't know. That is a, it doesn't bode well for, for Viet. And, you know, we haven't talked roster crunch in a while just because it is becoming a very tired subject. But that's going to uh rear its head again in the next few weeks. As we get closer to camp, and they have to start making, like actually, have to start making decisions. Uh, so yeah. Okay,
2: Summers of Sam, Volume Five. Paul George. Uh, yeah. So this is 2017, and just some background going into this off season. So OKC okay, coming off their five game loss to Houston. You know, Russ has won the MVP. We're excited about that, but the team goes in the playoffs. They lose in five. Russ was 37 points in that series, 11.6 rebounds, 10.8 assists on 39-27-80 shooting splits with six turnovers per game. Uh, Notable for the fact that this was the last year of Russ knowing how to shoot free throws. This was it. This was the final hurrah where he was able to consistently hit over 80% and then it just fell off a cliff this very next year. This was peak Russ. Peak Russ. You think this is uh, I mean
1: this obviously was like his best season ever, best playoff series that he played in most likely.
2: Probably. I I was though I was looking back at his I want to say it was the 2015 season. Yeah. 2014-15. That he had put up some pretty impressive numbers that year as well. Uh Russ on court during the series. Now, these numbers I got from a Bleacher Report article, when I actually looked up the numbers on NBA.com slash stats, it -hmm. wasn't exactly the same, but it's Mm -hmm. close enough. Mm -hmm. When Russ was on the court against the Rockets, plus 4.9 points per 100 possessions. Pretty good. Taj Gibson, a plus 13.7 in that Houston series. Steven Adams, a plus 7.7 in the Houston series. Mm. That was in 194 minutes with Russ on the court. With Russ off the court, only 46 minutes, about a game length, spread across those five games minus 51.3 points per 100 possessions (laughs) minus 51.3 points that's hard to do unbelievable and a lot of people want to immediately blame samaj but like we talked last week he eventually wasn't even playing in that series yeah he played three games and his minutes went
1: down in all three of those games this is a i mean this was kind of a billy donovan problem and we had some Billy Donovan problems throughout his tenure here, and a lot of it was like rotation space. It's like, why in the world would you not stagger Vic and Russ? And then, like Vic goes on to play really, really well in Indy the next season, uh, so much so that you get halfway through the season, you're like, Did the Thunder do the right thing? <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> and it's like, wait, we had wait, we had that guy here, and he, I mean, Oladipo was not great in Oklahoma City. It was, it was a, kind of a disappointment, and it made his contract at the Look, time. Works. It looked pretty bad. I mean, his one season in Oklahoma City, he was 15 points, four boards, two assists. When he got to Indy his first year, he was an all-star, 23, five, four, and almost two and a half assists. I mean, that's, yeah. that's insane. That is absolutely insane.
2: Yeah, if you go look at the on-off numbers, the name that sticks out is Ennis Cantor. Yeah. In terms of not being great. It was basically the entire bench. Anyone they threw out there on the bench, it wasn't working great. Yeah, But yeah, we came out of that series, and I I went back and listened to some of the down-to-dunk pods. We were talking, you were doing trade calls on Victor Oladipo. Uh We were were already thinking, like, what could we get for Mm -hmm. Victor Oladipo? At that time, we would not know that Victor Oladipo's hashtag muscle watch would be coming, Yeah, which kind of changed our opinions because all of a sudden Vic was looking like super ripped.
1: Yeah, he was. It was like,
2: ooh, maybe year two Vic and OKC is going to be something different. Mm -hmm. But eventually, you know, we know what would happen there. Now, before we get to the big thing, there's like a lot else in this summer that is not related to Paul George. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're going to get to Paul George, but first I just want to do the draft real quick because it's kind of quick. Oh gosh, uh, there's there's not a lot to say. So first of all, <laughs> there kind of is a lot to say, but well, it's... there's there's a little to say. Uh, <laughs> mock drafts going in. Do you remember who the name was that was attached to OKC?
1: Um, let
2: me think. Because they picked think, think, twenty think, think, think. first. They picked twenty first. There was a name that was definitely attached to them. Jonathan Wasserman had him going to the OKC on June 22nd. On June 26th, Royce Young tweeted about this player. Hmm. Do, you, do you remember who it was? Mm-mm. There's growing chatter that Frank Jackson has a oh, first round promise yes. and that OKC is the team. Royce said that. So, I mean, that's yeah. coming from a pretty good source. So, yep. that, I mean, I think we were kind of, and, and it felt like uh, just another, like they keep targeting the same guy. Like it was Reggie Jackson campaign and now we're getting Frank Jackson. yeah, Like these kind of backup point guards, but they're not really point guards, they're kind of point guards. He was 19, you know, had just played one year at
1: Duke. Wasn't very good at Duke. And so it was like, "Oh my gosh." He did eventually end up on the Thunder for like a hot second and then was, right, yeah, was he did. out. Um which is weird. Uh anyways, he's he's a fine player.
2: I don't think he's so, I don't
1: think he landed anywhere this year, but yeah.
2: So we were kind of expecting that because we had we had experienced this before with campaign in terms of like a first round promise yeah. and the reporting turned out to be true. Mm-hmm. You could even say the same happened with Reggie Jackson. So it kind of seemed like, okay, we're getting Frank Jackson. Yeah. You guys down to dunk crew mm-hmm. had a live draft party at Anthem Brewing. Mm-hmm. So we had chicken express as a sponsor at the
1: time. Chisholm Holland, who is, <laughs> oh, yeah. who is now a, he's the, he hosts the afternoons on the franchise uh, good, good guy was kind of our link to them, and they brought chicken strips and fries and like okra and all this stuff
2: for everybody. It was pretty sweet.
1: it was amazing. I wasn't there, but it sounds great. It was amazing. It's so, like you had the all, the chicken and everything and then you had the the bar open. I mean it was it was an amazing time. We filled that that tap house uh, pretty good. And I wanted OG Ananobi or Derek White so badly. Um
2: and uh, who did they take, Andrew?
1: They took Terrence Ferguson, in which case I and some of you that are listening were probably there. And we immediately started booing. I wish I had video
2: of it. Um because I, I people, wish you didn't. I was think, actually thinking about like just imagining if that happened in 2022, yeah, and you you videotaped it, how many people on Twitter would be like this is this is so disgusting. They are booing a 19-year-old who's having the, the night of his life. Yeah, that is there very much a new. I'm glad you didn't
1: record it. That's a new way to think. That was not, it is. that is not the way that people thought back in 2017 about the NBA with regards to like the draft and stuff. I and mean, we we were we were mad <laughs> and justifiably <laughs> mad. In hindsight, we were correct.
2: That is true. Though I will say, I, so I was going back over some uh, big boards, and uh, I found a site that compiled all of the big boards. Mm-hmm. It w- this wasn't a reach, like Terrence no. Ferguson on a bunch of big boards was anywhere between 17 at the lowest to 25th at mm-hmm. the latest. Yeah,
1: it was his range. So, like
2: it was his range. Like Kevin O'Connor had him ranked exactly 21st. Yeah, I Drag just did like him. Had him 24th. Like it was his range. This was his- this wasn't. Similar, this this wasn't like, um, who were some of the guys that they that felt like? Hustis. <laughs> okay, yes, Houston. Yes, this wasn't a Hustis.
1: Yeah.
2: And uh, I don't know. I mean, y- we sold ourselves on it because it was like, this guy projects as a 3 and D. Yeah. At least they're going for the archetype of the player we've wanted for years and years and years. Yeah, 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 yeah. And... So even though he averaged four points a game in Australia... At least, theoretically, he is the type of player that would fit around Russell Westbrook. Yeah, he's he's big. Like he wasn't big. He was tall, six seven. Tall. Yeah,
1: I doubt he, he was. I strong. doubt that he's actually six seven. By the way, like he's closer six five.
2: Whoa, Andrew! Maybe six three even. No, six foot Andrew. <laughs> uh, I was going back over T. Ferg's box scores last night. Yeah, I will say. that. His his second year was like genuinely encouraging. Yeah, it was. Encouraging, not like oh this guy's definitely a star or this or he's definitely an NBA player, but like I think he shot 37% from 3, he shot 40% from the corners. Like he th- there were some things to like. He actually shot 73% at the rim. I mean, yeah. it wasn't on a ton of attempts, but he was very limited offensively. Yeah. But he was starting to do the things that you would want from that type of a role player. Yeah. And he was showing a lot on the defensive end.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, his second year, 26 minutes a game, seven points, two boards, and assist. But, yeah, on 36% from three. You're like, yeah, great. That's awesome. We want that guy. And he played a lot of minutes. He was only 20 years old at the time. You know, there was, there was a lot of reasons to be optimistic. I was so optimistic at one point that my brother asked me what jersey he should buy. And I told him he should buy a Terrence Ferguson jersey. My no, brother owns no. a Terrence Ferguson jersey. <laughs> No, S- swear.
2: Why? Why? Swear. What a hipster pick to tell your brother. He Why would wa- you tell he your He wanted a Ferguson? hipster.
1: My brother's a hip a hipster guy, and he wanted like a hipster Thunder jersey. You know, he didn't want a Westbrook jersey. He didn't want a Stephen Adams jersey. He wanted. He was like, "What like young guys jersey could I buy?" I was like, "I guess it's Terrence Ferguson." And somebody yeah, I'm
2: trying to think who else could you've even gone with at that time that would have made sense. I guess like
1: Jeremy Grant maybe.
2: Okay. That would have that would have actually been a nice nice purchase. Yeah, to get some return on your investment there.
1: Uh, however, that's the a Terrence Ferguson Thunder jersey is one that you could wear to a festival and feel pretty cool because I think people would be like, "Who is that?" You know, it's definitely a festival
2: jersey. I'm. I'm oh, I mean, <laughs> at least you didn't tell him Singler.
1: You know, a Singler one would be a great festival jersey as well. A great summer league jersey.
2: Or, or Samaj. I guess we were pretty much off of Samaj. You didn't oh if he had a now, if he had a Joffley Laverne jersey, <laughs> that would be cool.
1: Laverne. Oh my god. I would gosh. respect
2: that a lot.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I did not I did not um, think he would be on the team
2: very long, so I did not
1: pick him. Yeah. But anyways, I thought that I was thinking about that yesterday.
2: So, so that was the draft and there's not a, just there's just not a ton to say about it. Um I had Jonathan you know, Chark's on like the
1: day after the draft I think to talk about Ferguson and Jonathan was on his phone walking out of the gym doing this uh, podcast with me and he didn't have hardly anything to say about him. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh
2: so yeah, we already we all know what happened with Ferg. We we should probably mention who went after Terrence Ferguson we can in the do draft, that. yeah. Pain, suffering. Um, the, it, interesting. I listened back to the the post draft show, and you were actually way more pissed about Derek White.
1: Derek White was my guy, and I yeah. thought Derek White fit the best and would be helpful sooner than ever anybody else.
2: And I think that was right.
1: I, I was because... I was correct.
2: Yeah. So, the very next guy who went was Jared Allen, uh-huh. who I don't think they would have ever taken at that point because of Stephen Adams, but it's kind of like he would have been a great pick. Holy smokes. And it's, yeah. It's it yeah have crazy been amazing. Jared Allen is an all star and yeah. has never made as much money per year as Stephen Adams ever did. Yeah. I mean, Stephen Adams made was his deal was like $25 million a year. Jared Allen's deal is currently, currently, five years later, $20 million a year. Just great value. It's wild. For centers nowadays. It's wild. Uh, Number pick 23, of course, was O.G. Ananobi, yeah, who we wanted a lot. Uh, and then uh, 27, Kyle Kuzma, 29, Derek White, 30, Josh Hart. Uh, Josh Any Hart would have been would have awesome been, in OKC. Yeah, Josh Hart would have been really oh, great. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and then 31 was Frank Jackson. So Frank Jackson did end up getting picked like very close. Yeah. He, he wasn't a first rounder, but he was the very first pick of the second round. Second round, this was a pretty bad second round, so you don't really right. feel bad like they missed out on anyone there. Yeah. But yeah, there Dylan were definitely Brooks, some names Lonnie after Morris. Terrence Ferguson. Yeah,
1: Dylan Brooks and Monty Morris are probably the only two in the second round that you're like, yeah, those those are really good players.
2: Dylan Brooks would be um, great for the Thunder. So now we move on to free agency. Now yeah. to set the scene, because of course we were not thinking Paul George at the time as a possibility. No, no. What were we thinking? We were thinking Blake Griffin. We were that, thinking that was a lot like about Blake. That was the, the, the buzz at the time. And the question, though, was why did OKC extend Steven Adams and Victor Oladipo back in the, the previous fall, mm-hmm. which essentially removed their chances of being in this 2017 free agency class? Because right. the only way at that point to get Blake Griffin would have had to be some kind of sign and trade. This is from the ham man, ham man himself. John Hamm yep. writing for Daily Thunder. I think this is really interesting. It's it's another, it's a very minor one of these but how we talk about like the Rose rule and all these other, the, the cap spike, all these things that screwed over OKC. Mm-hmm. This one is very minor mm-hmm. in comparison, but it was another one. So this is from John Hamm. Still, as late as mid-October of last year, the Thunder had a path to create maximum cap space this summer, talking about 2017, without sacrificing its young core of Steven Adams, Victor Oladipo, and Andre Robertson. The plan was to forego extensions for each but the owners and players were still working on a new collective bargaining agreement. In late October, right before the deadline for extending rookie scale contracts, contracts, teams were notified that cap holds might increase the following summer. Oladipo's cap hold was projected to jump from 13.1 million to nearly 20 million. Hold amounts for Adams and Robertson would have increased by a few million as well. Suddenly creating maximum cap room would have required making deeper cuts, such as dumping Alex Sabrinas and Demonis Sabonis in addition to Ennis Cantor and others. This caused Sam Pressy to change course and lock up Adams and Depot instead. When the new agreement was finalized, those cap hold increases were pushed off until 2018. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I bet the Thunderfront office lost their minds. <laughs> Isn't that? I mean, that, that Oladipo's cap hold specifically, like that's a difference of 7 million that it's you have lot. to factor in for that the, the 2017 summer. Oh, it's a and million. obviously, if that's going to be the difference, you don't want to have to cut Demonis Sabonis or or waive him or trade him in a deal that's not good for you. Like he was coming off his rookie season. So that's just, that's kind of like setting the scene. Mm -hmm. Despite all that, B.A. Turner for the LA Times, right around this time, reported that several executives expect the Thunder to make a bid for Blake Griffin. Mm -hmm. And Royce Young, as late as June 28th, this is only a couple days before everything went down, Says the Thunder have planned on chasing Blake Griffin for months now. Mm-hmm. They have to feel their chances ju- got at least a little better now. He was tweeting this after the CP3 trade. So CP3 gets traded from the Clippers to Houston. Yep. And all of a sudden, people are looking at the Clippers like, "Well, what's left here? Like, you're really gonna run it back with Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan? Like, what is this?" Yeah, Lou Williams, what's going on? Yeah. And so it did seem like there was a possibility, okay, maybe Blake Griffin would be available. So this is this is how we were thinking <laughs> at the time. The other thing, yeah, the other names being thrown out there, June 29th, Woj, Sources, R- Free Agent Rudy Gay hosts meeting oh in gosh. Austin, Texas with interested suitors this weekend. OKC continues to be a team who sees fit. Few days later, Ennis Cantor tweeted, League sources tell Ennis Cantor with a picture of Rudy Gay's locker next to Russell Westbrook. Yeah. We, we thought that was like a done deal. It
1: felt like a done deal at the time. I remember talking a ton about it. I wrote an article about it. I think I used like Vantage Sports stats to like, you know, discuss how he would fit on the team. And I remember like not being very enamored with Rudy Gay. On this <laughs> yes, team. you were not. <laughs> um, but it, it felt like a done deal.
2: Um, which in retrospect probably would have been a, I mean, that'd be nice to have Rudy Gay.
1: He's better, than, better than the guy that we ended up getting. That was a power forward.
2: Yeah. Honestly, if they got Rudy Gay, they probably do not make the mellow deal. Maybe not because now you have Jeremy Grant and Rudy Gay. Yeah. I don't know that that would probably would work. The other name, which this one I didn't remember June 30th, Royce Young tweeted, expect the thunder to be in contact with unrestricted agent, Michael Carter-Williams this weekend. I remember that. Oh, my god! I was not happy about that. I think I did a podcast with John Hamm
1: that Wednesday when that news came out, and we were kind of trashing the idea of <laughs> C-Dub.
2: No, because it's a You're, terrible fit. It's a horrible fit. It, okay, it is, but we were coming off a season where we had just seen Samaj Kristen play the backup point guard role. So, like, could it have really been that bad? I mean, it was – It was an upgrade, but it's like
1: that's not the kind of guy that you want playing you know, backing up Russell Westbrook, you know, or playing next to him. Like, holy smokes, like you want like what are we doing here? Gonna throw him and Andre Robertson out there with Westbrook? (laughs) What are we doing here?
2: Shut down, Andrew. They're gonna shut down the whole league. No one's scoring eighty five points with that with that roster. Yeah. No Uh, one, including the Thunder. Including the Thunder. The other name that was out there. From Ramona Shelburne. Yeah. Sources also told Shelburne that New York engaged the Oklahoma City Thunder in talks for Chris Stapp's Porzingis. Yeah. But as one source said of the Knicks, they don't have enough. Which is kind of interesting because you go back and look at that trade. It was DeAndre Jordan-West Matthews who were two expirings at that Mm -hmm. time. Dennis Smith Jr. who was kind of like the crown jewel of that trade package. Mm -hmm. He was a recent number 10 pick or whatever. They got a 2021 unprotected first and then a 2023 top 10 protected first. Yeah. If like, it's so crazy because nowadays you're like, OKC okay, so you could easily match that deal. Oh, yeah. Like barely. It would t- take like no effort at all to match that deal. Even then, they had the future pick. So like, I feel like they could have matched picks wise. I guess they just didn't have the Dennis Smith Jr. piece to like really excite New York. I mean, yeah, I that know, sounds crazy now, but yeah at the time. Yeah. And we knew that they were interested in Porzingis way back at the draft.
1: Yeah. They wanted him in like in the, in the year prior, they were trying to get him to, to be in the, in the draft before he actually went out. Was that 20, 2014
0: f- 14 or 15 or
1: 15? Yeah. I can't remember which one, but yeah, he, they would have, and they could have taken him like in the teens or twenties, you know, or traded for some pick to get him. Um, but you know, good he made the right decision because he ended up he ended up going fourth in the twenty fifteen draft. They wanted him in the twenty fourteen draft. Uh, so just interesting. Yeah, that's when would have worked out a little bit better than Mitch McGarry. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it would have. <laughs> uh so so that's those are kind of like the other names that were being thrown out there at the time. Yeah. Meanwhile, the rest of the league is interested in Paul George. Yeah. But at this point, it doesn't seem like there's any way that the thunder would ever have a chance. It
1: felt like to we get. were at the back of the line when with regards to like assets and it was mostly because of the Celtics cuz they had that Brooklyn pick and apparently it offered did. and apparently offered it to the Pacers in like February where they offered so, the Brooklyn pick and then several other things for Paul
2: George and they said no. So not only did they have the Brooklyn pick, but they also had the pick that they would get this summer from doing the false Tatum trade. Yeah. So they got the, it was going to be a Lakers pick. Yeah. If it landed anywhere outside of two through five, which it didn't, which made it a Sacramento pick, which you'd think, oh, that's awesome. Unprotected Sacramento. It became the 14th pick. Mm-hmm. It, it was the pick that became uh, Romeo Langford in 2018. Mm. So, but that was like a juicy pick at that time. Yeah. Very juicy. Yeah. So I want to read some of the, some of the chatter the league-wide chatter about paul george at the time june 18th Woj reports sources all-star paul george tells pacers he plans to leave franchise in 2018 free agency mm-hmm. prefers lakers Lakers. this was out there from the very beginning yeah and this was it wasn't like it wasn't even like second i guess it is secondhand reporting but It's literally Paul George telling the team that he prefers the Lakers. Mm -hmm. There was no like secrecy involved. There was no five team list. It was the only name you ever heard was the Lakers. Mm -hmm. And Chris Mannix reported that teams are trying to decide what's the appropriate cost for a player who they're being told pretty adamantly by Paul George's camp will be a rental no matter who you are, no matter who has checked in or who potentially will check in, they're going to be told that Paul George is going to play the season out and he's going to be a Laker. Mm -hmm. That's his plan. Mm -hmm. Which that, I mean, I I guess I knew that at the time, but I kind of forgot how like definite it seemed, Mm -hmm. which kind of puts what OKC did in perspective. Like it's obviously it's amazing that they got Paul George and then got him to resign, which we're going to talk about. But In that context, it was shocking.
1: It it was like not on the radar. One, we didn't feel like we had the like the right assets to get him. I remember the day of the trade. I was talking to Brett Dawson, and we were talking about how the Thunder are like kind of screwed. Like this is the this is their team. Are they better than like the like if everything went perfectly? They're like the four seed, you know? Yeah, in the West and. You don't really have a path to the West. Finals, like, this is your Westbrook team. And, like, this is what you're going to be. And there's no way out. Because, like, you can't really trade Vic for anything better than Vic. You can't trade Ennis right now. Because Ennis, I mean, Ennis, his contract felt like an albatross. There were just so many things about it that just felt like, oh, man. Like, they – and at the time, I remember talking to him like, man, they really just need, like, Sabonis to be really good. And he was coming well, off, like, a – real like, his rookie season – was legitimately bad and they couldn't play him in the playoffs. I mean, I think that's that's, something that gets, that's a really
2: important point because Sabonis would have been like that kind of Dennis Smith jr. piece. Yeah. If you're trying to make a big deal for a superstar, because he was a lottery pick, he was a rookie, but his rookie season was so bad that people weren't like, like super excited about Sabonis at that time.
1: Here are his rookie season stats. He average, 5.9 points per game, three rebounds, one assist, half a steal, half a block, 39 percent from the field. That's worse than Poku this season, by the way. 32 uh, percent <laughs> from three, 65 percent from the free-throw line. Like all career lows. In the playoffs, here are his minute, here's his minute total. Six minutes. They played him in two <laughs> games. They played him six minutes. He scored four points, and he had four fouls. Wow. That's that's who the Pacers got in this trade. And they must have just – and this is where like scouting – here's why you scout everybody in the draft, because eventually they may become available to you. They certainly didn't want Domas because of what he did in Oklahoma City. Uh, right. And then the next season, he averages – 11-7, two assists on 51% from the field, 35% from three, 75% from the free throw line. It's like, oh, that got much better than eventually. You know, in his uh, fourth season, he made the all-star team, averaging 18, 12, and 5. You know, I mean, it's kind of amazing the leaps that he made. From I remember it was back in the day when I was listening to Dunk Don. Shout out Nate Duncan was talking about how the Thunder should have taken Wancho. You know, it was just like almost, yeah. it felt like almost every episode they would touch on the Thunder, and be like, man, I should have taken Wancho. I'm like, God, this is terrible.
2: Um, and, and in retrospect, it was never going to work as long as Steven Adams was on the team. Like what we know about Sabonis now, like what is the only conversation about Sabonis is like, how, who do you pair with him in the front court? Right. And if there's one thing we learned, it's not a non-shooter. Like it's They actually it's, had a
1: great guy in Jeremy Grant. Yeah, that's true.
2: You know, you could have traded Stevo and
1: gotten a like a wing cuz Steven <sighs> had a trade value at the time. Yeah. And like you could have actually if if like if they don't make this Paul George trade, maybe you can trade Stevo for a wing and then it's Domos, Jeremy, whatever wing you got, Vic and Russ. And like honestly, like that's not a horrible outcome, you know, two years from then. Like that actually would have been a pretty good team. Yeah. And, um, but it was hard to see. And and part of the reason that the Thunder ended up taking Sabonis is like he shot lights out in workouts pre draft. He was killing it from three. And so the thought was that he was kind of hidden at Gonzaga with the kind of skill level he had and was going to be a guy that could hit from deep and that ended up just not coming to fruition at all in the NBA. until
2: maybe this year like like all his off season videos are him taking threes
1: yeah and that and so like he took let me see what his totals were his rookie season he took 159 threes he was fifty one for one fifty nine. In his second year, he took thirty seven threes. In his third year, he took seventeen threes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal. They were just like, Nope, that's not who we saw you as, you know, in yeah. your workouts with us. But um apparently he just absolutely killed it at the workouts with the Thunder. And so that was like part of the reason why they wanted him. Um was that they thought that he could develop into something more.
2: Man. Um uh- Okay, so I want to read off just some of the teams that were engaged with the Pacers okay. about Paul George. So Woj, Indiana and Boston, are engaged in serious talks on a Paul George trade. Adam Kaufman, who does a Celtics pod, he heard the offer was Jay Crowder, the LA Sacramento pick acquired in the Fulch trade, a mm-hmm. non-Brooklyn first and salary filler. Woj confirmed that the Celtics' plan was to sign Gordon Hayward. This is the Gordon Hayward summer. Mm -hmm. Then deal for Paul George, but Pacers didn't want to wait. League stunned. (laughs) Mark Stein, league sources, Cavs, Pacers, and Nuggets have discussed a three-way deal that would land Paul George in Cleveland and Kevin Love in Denver. And Woj confirmed that and said Gary Harris and a protected first from Cleveland would have been the return for Paul George. Wow. Portland offered three firsts. In that year's draft, the 15th, 20th, and 26th, Which this is the draft they had traded up for Zach Collins, so they did eventually trade some of those picks. Yeah. Plus any non-Big 3 player. So their Big 3 was Dame, CJ, and Nurk. I went and looked at their roster. <laughs> There's no one you would possibly want from that team. Maybe <laughs> Noah Vonleh at that time. <laughs> Maybe you'd still be excited about that. Uh, Brian Windhorst. The Rockets are trying very hard to land Paul George to pair with CP3 and Harden. I remember that very Tim well. Tim McMahon. Source on Rockets, they think they are getting Carmelo or Paul George. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I remember I remember that feeling
1: so good at the time that not only did they not get either one, we got both. I remember that. Both. was both. You know, that's it's similar to like our – we still have the same feelings about the Rockets like at the beginning of this pod. We're like, hey, great. Kevin's staying.
2: Awesome. It's going to hurt the Rockets, which is good for us. And then the last one, Mark Stein reported – Pacers and Lakers have engaged on Paul George trade talks in advance of Thursday's draft. He followed up saying, can the Lakers now land Paul George by offering Thursday's number 27 and 28 picks and either Julius Randle or Jordan Clarkson? Oh my They're God. They're trying. Wow. The point is that, like, for the weeks leading up to the draft and and after the draft, no one was talking about OKC, but there were so many suitors. Like, even oh, yeah. though people knew he was probably going to be a one year rental. There were there were options out there for the Pacers yeah. at that time. Yeah, those Lakers picks ended up being Kuzma and Josh Hart. Like, pretty, yeah, pretty pretty nice picks. Pretty good. Uh, so then on June thirtieth, six forty one p.m., which that was that was probably my Pacific time, so it would have been eight forty one yes. p.m. Your time. Yes. Ramona Shelburne, Paul George has been traded to OKC per sources. <sighs> no other information. Just Paul George has been traded to OKC. And if you go back and look at the tweet, the replies to it, it's just a bunch of people like super confused because what could they possibly have given them to make this deal work? Yeah. It
1: was like was it Stephen Adams? Is it like what what did they what did they do? Cuz it didn't like I like we just stated Domos was bad. So bad that Russ was calling him Domos in the locker room and no one was doing anything about it and he was <laughs> petrified to play with Russ. Um not a good situation. And Vic coming off of a really bad playoff series. It was like this is like yeah. the 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 bottom of their value and it just didn't seem possible. I I remember thinking it was a fake tweet. Like somehow like a fake like Ramona Shelburne account got retweeted. Yeah. I was so I was putting my son to bed. We were my wife and I were getting ready to go on a trip with some friends to new mexico well we were gonna wake up at 3 a.m and drive there so that we could like drive to to mexico new mexico oh new mexico okay (laughs) yeah we're driving to mexico no we're driving to new mexico uh to go go to red river just to spend some time with friends there and you know we were planning to go to bed at like nine o'clock and then like this paul george news drops and i'm like this cannot be. This cannot be real. Like that cannot be real. Like why? Why would somebody do that? Why would somebody create a Ramona Shelburne account that's fake and just to like mess with Thunder fans? But turned out it was it was real. It was unbelievable.
2: Yeah, I was I was at a uh, restaurant called Noble Rot here in Portland. I was about to graduate the next day, and I got like. People started texting me, and I had to because it was like a big family dinner, mm-hmm. and I actually I got up and just went to the bathroom and just like <laughs> sat on the toilet, and just like <laughs> scrolled Twitter for <laughs> ten minutes. It was unbelievable. It was I just could could not believe it
1: because I remember just thinking like, man, I was just talking to Brett about how awful of a position the Thunder are in with regards to like just kind of being in the middle of the West and not really being able to do anything, and then, man, and then also. With the context of Russell Westbrook, it felt like Russell Westbrook was like entering like his true prime, of like we are now like the best player in the NBA with the what was at the time the third best small forward in the league. Uh, we didn't have to give up Stephen, um, you know, Andre was a, was going to resign with the Thunder that summer. They have all these pieces. They still had Abrinas and Doug McDermott, and like it just felt. You you felt like they had the second best team in the West, um, except for Stephen A. Smith, who uh, had some some different thoughts on the Thunder. And uh, here's some some thoughts from Stephen A. Where does this move put
0: Oklahoma City now in the West? Personally speaking, I think it still puts them somewhere between the fourth and the fifth slot. Uh, within a Western Conference,
2: quite possibly a berth to the second round of the NBA playoffs within the Western Conference. Again, if they're fifth seed, they're playing a fourth seed, anything could happen at that particular moment in time, but that's really all that I see. I don't view Oklahoma City as a powerhouse just because they have Russell Westbrook and Paul George. Uh,
1: Stephen A nailed it, by the way, Ugh, on that one. Yeah. We will get to another Stephen A uh, quote here in a little bit, but... Uh, Stephen Stephen kind of nailed it with that quote. However, the feelings at the time were like in Oklahoma City,
2: like oh my gosh, we're like we're back, baby. You know is is how it felt. And it wasn't just Oklahoma City. Nate Duncan tweeted out, "The Thunder are probably the best equipped team to guard the Warriors in the league now." (laughs) Like that was Nate Duncan saying that. Like, and it was, and it was true. Like it was
1: true when you have. Robertson, Jeremy Grant, Paul George, Stephen Adams, who was thought of as a guy that could still guard on the perimeter some. Because yeah. he defended. At times, he had to defend Steph Curry in the West Finals uh, in like two years prior. And you're like, yeah, this this team could be the best defensive team in the league. And they were close to it when they were fully healthy. Um, so Paul George gets traded to the Thunder. The Thunder have this giant party at the Jones Assembly. <laughs> And it is pretty wild. So my friend Hunter called me and was like, "Hey, I've got a ticket to this. If you want to go, it's like, yeah, I want to go." They handed out these shirts at the party um, mm. to everybody. Uh, I went there with the L man. It was open bar, like completely open bar to the, to the point where people were taking bottles of champagne home with them at the end of the night. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> Just like yeah, I'll take these three bottles of champagne. Like it's on the Thunder's tab. Uh, They were also handing out fidget spinners, which Luke and I really took advantage of. This is a if you're watching on the stream, you can see a picture of Luke and I with a uh, (laughs) Thunder. Gosh, why is his name escaping me? Brian Davis. Brian Davis, Uh, former (laughs) color commentator (laughs) Brian Davis. Uh, Not color. Um, He was uh, play by play for the Thunder. Uh, honestly, shouldn't shouldn't have ever left. What an amazing guy! But here, there's a picture of Luke and I holding our fidget spinners and uh, hanging out with Brian Davis. Uh, it was an amazing party. It was just f- completely just jam packed with people, and it was it was a a wild time. I remember I snuck John Hamm a beer because he was there as a media member and they weren't allowed to partake in the bar. <laughs> so <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> what i I snuck a drink to john ham what
2: what he was there like representing daily thunder i think the franchise oh the franchise who who wasn't who wasn't letting
1: him drink i guess if you had a credential oh So like if you get in with a credential you weren't allowed to partake in the open bar like you were just there to like
2: talk like like have a perspective on the event
1: so that's rude yeah (laughs) so rude (laughs)
2: uh yeah that was and and at the time and i still feel this way but you know going back to how they handled kevin durant during during his whole period Mm -hmm. you know we talked about the the sports illustrated cover which you know that was kevin durant's input on that as well they'd have uh billboards around that had you know like random players on the team on it this felt like a fundamental Mm -hmm. shift in how the team was approaching stars Mm -hmm. like having this big blowout party to like welcome Paul George yeah. to Oklahoma City. Yeah. It was very if at the time it felt very out of character for the Thunder organization.
1: Yeah, his family and it said like they rolled out the red carpet for all of us cuz they flew his entire family to Oklahoma City. Uh the Thunder let people know like when they were going to be arriving so that every the Thunder fans could meet him at the airport. I actually went there. Yeah. It was on uh, it was on July 11th that he flew in. I remember because it was 7-Eleven day and you got your free 7-Eleven icy drinks. (laughs) I took my kids to go get an icy room before we went to the airport. Um, It was an outrageous time. It was so much fun to uh, be a Thunder fan that summer because you you had experienced like the lowest of lows. And then like things start to build up where it's like, oh my gosh, we have the MVP now but where are we going where we're going is like we're going to get one of the superstars of the NBA to join him it just felt it was an unbelievable ride for a thunder fan that summer
2: and it wasn't even over yet we were about to, like things got even better yeah it was not over yet and by the way you mentioned Westbrook earlier and we should have led off with that because this was also an important summer for Westbrook because he was eligible for an extension yes and who knows what would have happened if they don't get Paul George. I mean, we never got any indication that he wouldn't sign an extension, right? But you have to imagine them getting Paul George made that decision very oh, easy, yeah, for Russell Westbrook because it
1: he he resigned like a few weeks later
2: after that. It felt like you wanted him to resign like that
1: day, you know, and right, have yeah. it all happen, but you know, it was it was a wild man. It was that was a a wild beginning to the summer.
2: So shortly after. You know, so this is all happening beginning middle of July. Yeah. We're having the party. We're feeling great. Yes. Um, and then Bill Simmons tweets out <laughs> on July twenty fourth.
1: Did we get to? Did we get? We didn't do Patrick Patterson yet. That happened before then.
2: Oh, did it really? I didn't have uh-huh. the date on that. Okay, so they they also signed Patrick Patterson three years sixteen point four million dollar deal. He was coming off a few seasons in uh, Toronto. Yes, and every. I mean, he's one of those NBA smart guys who we, we were convinced was much better than he, he had let on. Yeah. <laughs> Although, if you read anything from Raptors fans at the time, they would tell you that he was like very streaky as a player.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He, Raptors fans were warning us at the time. Like this guy's not—he's not—not quite as good as you think he might be. But he felt so perfect for the Thunder because all they needed was somebody to space to the floor, and to like, move the ball, and like those right. are things that Tupac could do. And it felt—I remember at the time thinking, "Oh my gosh, this is so much better than you know having Rudy Gay," because it was like most of Tupac's shots were threes, uh, a vast majority of Rudy Gay's shots were mid-range shots. And so you it just felt like a, such a great fit at the time. And when you're trying to compete against the Warriors, you, know, you needed a guy like Tupac you know, to, to space the floor for for Westbrook. He felt gosh, he felt just so perfect.
2: Yeah, so some of these other deals probably happened before the Melo deal as well. So for instance, Raymond Felton Ray ends Felton up signing a one year deal.
1: Did happen. I found out about that one when I was at Whitewater Bay. Nice. Yep.
2: I don't know why that would be an event where you would need to remember where you were. But uh, cool? I do. I was in the
1: Whitewater Bay parking lot walking out like, oh my gosh, we just got Ray Felton. At the time, we needed a backup point guard so badly. Like, just needed somebody competent that could spell Russ for 12 minutes a game. And he's at the time, seemed so much better than, like, Michael Carter-Williams or Samaj or like anybody else. It's just like, can we just upgrade this spot somehow? And Ray Felton felt like, I mean, just to get free agents, you know, you get two Pat and Ray Felton in the same offseason. Those were two of the better, you know, free agency signings for the Thunder ever. I mean, it's in the top five best free agency signings. And that's mostly just because we don't get free agents. But to get both of those guys, it just felt like, oh, my gosh, like it's it's happening, it's all coming together. You know, that's how it felt at the time. I think I did emergency pods for – both two pat actually i did one from new mexico with fred Katz on two um and my internet wasn't good enough i had to have fred upload it for me because my internet wasn't fast enough
2: <laughs> and then the other name well so nick collison comes back on a one-year deal and it's it's known that this is going to be his final season yeah at that time then andre robertson yeah gets a 3 year 30 million dollar deal and the part I had forgotten that he had turned down a 4 year 48 million dollar deal the previous fall. So yep. when they were doing those deals for Steven Adams, Victor Oladipo, they had also offered Robertson 4 years 48. I remember that. I thought Which knowing what... how it played out with his injury Oh. I mean, I don't think it would have really mattered cuz it would have gone into that uh that first tank season, I think. Yeah. When they had kind of cleared, but I wonder if that would have uh, limited their ability to do any of those deals. Although may you kind of imagine that fourth year probably would have been a team option. Gosh. I would guess,
1: yeah. And you forget like it's it's easy to remember that Robertson couldn't shoot, but and Thunder fans that were watching that year don't forget. But like he was so good for them that season, and so much so that things really kind of fell apart after he went after he went down, they were starting to roll. Like they were starting to really figure oh, it so, out
2: save it, Andrew. We're we're not in twenty eighteen. They're starting to really figure it out.
1: And then Robertson goes down. I know, but it wasn't it wasn't off season either though. It just happened in season. It's just um, sad.
2: So those are all the deals that happen kind of in that in between period. Yeah. Those are all summertime deals. Yeah. Summertime deals. Because the actual Carmelo deal doesn't happen until September twenty third. Yeah. a.m. out here in Portland, Oregon, I was hung over in my bathroom vomiting.
1: Seriously?
2: Yeah. (laughs) And in my little, like, 400-square-foot studio, just puking my brains out. No. And uh, Woj tweets out, New York has agreed to a deal to send Carmel Anthony to OKC for Ennis Cantor, Doug McDermott, and a draft pick. League sources tell
1: ESPN. Yeah unbelievable it and it, you're you have the simmons stuff too
2: uh no no so Sim- simmons oh, oh, I, oh oh i forgot to, i forgot to read that yeah, yeah because yeah. we sorry 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 so going back two months because yeah. that was that was september 23rd yeah. two months previous to that july 24th bill simmons said have a scoop okc and carmelo are officially circling each other yeah OKC's Troy Weaver recruited Mello to Q's and has known him since DMV days. (laughs) It's it's rare that you get someone as high profile as Bill Simmons giving information like that and then it actually coming true like two months later. Yeah, That was so far ahead of the curve in terms of this deal happening because again, you look at the replies to that tweet. I think the first one was Carson Cunningham With the gif of uh Russell Westbrook like doing the what? Like just not understanding, like (laughs) what are you talking about? (laughs) Could this actually happen? No. It didn't make any sense. Carmelo to the thunder, it just felt like
1: it would it just felt like it was gonna like it's impossible. That's not actually gonna happen.
2: Because all the other reporting at that time was that one, he had a no-trade clause. Yeah. So like he didn't have to do anything. Right. And two He, Because of that, he was very specific about what teams he was willing to go to. Mm -hmm. And all the buzz at that time was that he wants to go to the Rockets, which Mm -hmm. turned out to eventually be true. I mean, he would eventually go to the Rockets for like 15 games or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that turned out terribly. But when the deal finally happened, so now fast forwarding to September, Woj reveals that Anthony told the Knicks he would only waive his no trade clause for the Thunder, the Houston Rockets, and the Cavs. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, At the time, the Cavs did
1: not have any interest in Melo. Obviously, it was like a race between Houston and OKC. And it yeah. was the Ryan Anderson deal that Ugh. was like holding them back. And to put some context around this particular deal, which was a second-rounder, Cantor, and McDermott, here's Cantor's um, stat line from the playoffs, from that five-game playoff series with the Rockets. It's it's so bad. Four point eight points, one point eight boards. He played nine minutes a game. It was peak. Can't play Cantor. It was is it, it was don't play Cantor. You know they just didn't do it. They just wouldn't play him. He played a total of forty five minutes in that series. He was thirty eight percent from the field. I mean it 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 felt like. We, we just got, again, this was like the the worst value you could have within his canner, And they ended up getting Carmelo Anthony for him and for McDermott, who was fine, but they couldn't play him much in the playoffs either. McDermott played 66 minutes in that series. I mean, they couldn't really play him either. And so it felt like two guys that can't play in the playoffs for Carmelo Anthony? Like, yes, yeah, sign me up. Every single day. I mean, it was, it was, it felt insane. It felt like, how did we go from like losing Kevin Durant in one summer, having the MVP, and then suddenly getting Paul George and Carmelo Anthony? I remember Media Day was like the day after they had made the trade. And you saw those three in their Thunder jerseys walking down the hall. I think I was standing there with Fred. And you just see those three walking down the hall, like in line together. I think I have a picture. I need to see if I can pull it up. Um, but they're like walking together down the hallway. And you can see, like, the backs of all their jerseys are like, what's going on here? Like, how did this happen? <laughs> how did Sam Presty orchestrate
2: this to happen in Oklahoma City? It just felt like a dream. And I remember after that trade was made, you know. A Opi- uh, popular opinion was pretty high for OKC. Um, well, let's let's, it,
1: let's, it, let's check in with Stephen A. You want to okay,
2: check in, okay. you
1: want to check in with Stephen A. On so he thought this was a fourth or fifth best team in the West. Here's what he thought after the Melo trade.
2: The Oklahoma City Thunder officially the number two team in the Western Conference. They are. Yes, I'm sir. anticipating that they will be the ones to meet the Warriors. I know that San Antonio and Houston expect to have something to say about it. Um, but I think it's going to be Oklahoma City. Russell Westbrook and Paul George make up the best backcourt in the NBA. You combine that with Melo being able to give you something, along with you still keeping Steven Adams and Roberson being the defensive ace. you got
0: four defenders on the floor with Melo, okay? And offensively, you got three juggernauts. So I think you look at it from that perspective, that's a big deal. That's the number one thing that jumps out at me. Best backcourt.
2: Best (laughs) backcourt. Roberson. Uh yeah. you know I mean he was wrong about four defenders with Carmelo because I don't know if Westbrook should be considered a defender he's not uh yeah. but but three defenders for sure but by the yep. time they got to the playoffs and this was kind of the problem it was down to two defenders <laughs> yep with Carmelo because Robertson as you mentioned got hurt mm-hmm. uh in the following season yeah i remember Zach Lowe being the only one who was really like I don't know if they should have done this. I don't know if this actually improved them at all. I was so mad about it too. I was like, how could you how could you think? Cuz
1: part of the, the my thinking at the time was the Thunder still couldn't put their best five players on the court at the same time, and it makes sense. But when you add Melo, you could. And I th- I think that you know, obviously you know, we didn't understand the level that Melo was at in that season, and Melo didn't know how to be the version that he was in Portland yet. Because if he could have instantly been the guy he was in Portland, I think it would have been actually, like, pretty awesome. But he was still, like, tons of mid-range, no defense, a lot of, like, your turn, my turn in Oklahoma City. It was it was not a good fit.
2: Yeah, it wasn't. It was fun, though, and uh... – I only have fond memories of Carmelo. He he was just a cool guy. I guess he still is a cool guy. He uh was,
1: he was very he was seriously to this day the coolest person I've ever been in the same room with. Like he he's the kind of guy that makes you feel cool as well. Like, where like Russ is like Russ is such a obviously like a cool guy, but he makes you feel like you were the biggest
2: idiot to walk face of the, <laughs> the earth. <laughs> So the Carmelo deal happens, and I mean, what else could possibly go right this summer? Then we get the report, Andrew, September twenty fourth. This is a day after. Alex Kennedy, Carmel Anthony, and Paul George have already started recruiting Dwayne Wade to the oh Oklahoma gosh, City Thunder. Oh my gosh! Yes,
1: I remember asking. I don't know who asked about it, but we asked about it on media day about Wade joining this
2: group. And uh-huh. and it wasn't just Alex Kennedy. Like Woj came out on a ESPN radio show he was asked about a Dwayne Wade update he said Cleveland is clearly the team to beat but OKC is in there yeah like it oh wasn't gosh. crazy to think that they could also get Dwayne Wade which knowing how Dwayne Wade's time in Cleveland turned out like I do think it probably would have helped I don't know if it would have worked I mean it, it didn't work regardless yeah. so I so at this point I'm like well we should have just it would have been fun i'll i'll just try the hypothetical out yeah sure bring Dwayne wade in we'll see what happens it just,
1: at that time i was like
2: i you felt like anything could happen
1: you know it's it was even i mean that would have been wild if they would have could have actually make that happen
2: because then you started thinking about the following seasons like okay can we get the banana boat Okay, can we get lebron james to okc <laughs> <laughs> you start like really talking yourself into just all this insane
1: stuff and with I mean, with what Sam was able to do, it really did feel like it could happen. <laughs> it did.
2: And then the final thing that happened this summer, six days after the Carmelo Trades announced, September 29th, Russell Westbrook has agreed to a five year, two hundred and five million dollar contract extension yeah. with OKC. Like the sequence of events <sighs> like any single one of those events, e- even the Russell Westbrook extension. In in a vacuum mm-hmm. would have been a great offseason, considering where the what, what had happened to the Thunder, you know, the previous offseason with mm-hmm. Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Literally, just that, just Russell Westbrook signing that five-year deal would have made us as excited as any other thing that could have happened. Yeah, no to doubt. Combine that with the Paul George trade and then the Carmel Anthony trade, it felt and, and then just as like sweeteners, you're bringing back Andre Robertson on a really reasonable deal. Mm-hmm. You get Raymond Felton, who you know is going to be an upgrade on Samaj Kristen. You get Patrick Patterson, who we all think is going to be like a great role player. I, I like can't put into words how excited I was for the next season. Yeah. And the 180 that we went from, from that Houston series to how we felt at the end of September. I know. It was an unbelievable... And, and yet,
1: we were we were being given a sign that maybe this is not going to work out, and here was sign number
2: one. Um, how do you feel about, you know, starting at the four or the concept of starting at the four or even coming off the bench? And the second question is, well, me?
0: Oh. <laughs> I, guess, I guess that answers that part.
1: I mean, I don't know where I started, where I came from. Uh, <laughs> Hey Peter, they said I gotta come off the bench. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, guy.
2: Go go oh, well, how do you? <laughs> I guess the bench question is not. A...
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good! It is so good. He is laughing so hard, like, and it should have been that moment where, like, oh my gosh, like these guys are actually gonna control everything that happens in Oklahoma City for the rest of their time here, you know.
2: Um, at, the, at the same time, I'm like surprised that was even a question at that point, though, because I mean, he was still like he was coming off his season where he scored like 23 points per game with mm-hmm. the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I guess I, I understand now, of course, why we would think about Carmelo coming off the bench, but I'm I'm kind of surprised that we were that was even in the conversation at that time. I kind of understand his reaction. Shouts to Eric Horn for having having the balls
1: to ask that question. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a big time question yeah he was 22 5 and 3 shooting 36% from 3 43% from the field then he came to Oklahoma City he was still 16 5 and 1 shooting 35% almost 36% from 3 40% of the field not good but still like scored 16 points a game you know yeah it's it's pretty wild and obviously in the playoffs was where things did not go well in Oklahoma City in that series he was 11 points 5 boards .3 assists he was 37% from the field 21% from 3 let me see what his totals were he took 28 threes he was 6 of 28 against Utah in that playoff series he was really bad um and the do thought, you think the, we should oh go ahead yeah oh i was just going to say that it was just about like playing jeremy you know Jeremy Grant at that yeah, spot for sure. fit fit way better.
2: Do you think because I don't think twenty eighteen will actually take that long? Do you want to just roll into it? <laughs> We're at an hour four. I know, <laughs> but the draft is nothing. It's literally just public. We Duel. can do it.
1: Yeah, we can do it. Yeah, let's let's do it. I've got it's it, there's a lot, but we yeah, we can do we can make the we can do a long pod. Whatever. It's do you, I
2: mean do you think we should wait? We can wait. We can wait.
1: We can we can save it. Maybe we should save it. There's a lot. Okay. There's a there is a, there is a lot to get into in this summer too. I think all of the Paul George narrative stuff. I think we can really
2: dig deep. Yeah, because you probably it, have some of... good uh, clips from that time too. Oh my gosh. there were a lot of good
1: drops. <laughs> oh, I've got some great clips. This is well. Then let's save that. That's next. the summer that I have. Um, that I'm most excited for. But yeah, I mean let's let's go back. I want to look at what. Night one, like the starting lineup, and like what the um, let's see, 17 18 season they played the Knicks opening night, they beat them 105 to 84. And it probably just, I mean, Paul George came out, had 28 and six, Mello had 22 points. Wow, <laughs> um, Westbrook had, tw- had a triple double, 21 10, and 16 assists that night. Jeez. And it just you just and the bench didn't do a whole lot, but they didn't need to. You know, you just it just felt like, wow, we've done it. You know, and then a sign of things to come in game two. I didn't remember this. They lost to Utah ninety-six to eighty seven. They scored eighty seven points <laughs> against them. <sighs> Westbrook in that game played thirty-six minutes. He was two for eleven. Six points, thirteen boards, nine assists. Mello had twenty six points. Mello oh my gosh. Melo took twenty-six shots against the Jazz in that game. Paul George had wow. nineteen. Westbrook had eleven. And then like the bench ended up doing nothing in that game. There there was a sign of things to come. Then they lost to the Timberwolves in game three. Oh my gosh. This was the Jimmy Butler, Jeff Teague, Todd Gibson, Wiggins, and Towns, just pum like just oh my gosh they beat the Thunder.
2: Oh man, uh, wow. I just want to read. So this is from Daily Thunder. Some of the reaction tweets. Yeah. Uh, Chris Broussard, Sam Presti is a bad boy. <laughs> NBA storylines just keep getting better and better. Props to Mello. Looks like he prioritized winning above market. Zach Harper. I just hope this unlocks Olympic Mellow in the NBA. That was that was definitely, that was
1: the that was the that was the dream. Is like, can we get Olympic Mellow
2: <laughs> to the NBA? Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh, there was
1: so much talk about that.
2: Holy smokes! And then it was, can we get Olympic Russ at some point? I think that's kind of what it is now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it, it, we are still waiting for Olympic West. We actually got Olympic Mellow in Portland know the the best version that's about as
2: close as you're gonna get yeah okay so what is your final grade for the 2017 offseason oh it's a plus like
1: you i don't think you could have done better that summer yeah i don't think i think think
2: it's impossible in fact the the only thing is the draft like if it, it was an hour ago but we started this talking about terrence ferguson yeah but in in Retrospect with all of the other things that happened, it seems like so minor. <laughs> like, I mean, if, is they a drop taken, in a if, if they
1: would have just taken um, Derek White or if they would have taken OG, I mean, honestly, either one of those picks would have actually changed the fortunes of the this Thunder team because they needed somebody like that to come in after Robertson was gone. Like, imagine if OG and an OB all right, stop. I'm getting
2: even more sad now. This is supposed to be fun, but even with that, I still think it's an A plus. Yes. just because. That run of deals, and specifically turning who those assets were at the time, meaning Oladipo and Sabonis, into Paul George. Now, it ended up being a really nice trade for the Pacers, which we would eventually find out. Turns out the Oladipo muscle watch was true, yep, and it did matter. He became an all-star, and then, of course, Sabonis becomes an all-star. But at the time, to turn those assets, which felt like very distressed at the time, like, those contracts oh, – Oh, I mean, Old Depot's contract was not a positive. And then Sabonis was still a positive because he's on a rookie deal, but we talked about it. Like, he just wasn't he was bad. seen as, like, this amazing rookie prospect. Yeah,
1: he was actively bad his rookie season. Um, and he turned that into Paul George. I need to find the clip for next week of the, the fun debate because this was this a season that divided the down-to-dunk fry pod where we talked about, like, is this fun? And you look back, December 16th, they lost to the Knicks. They lost 111-96 to 96 to the Knicks in New York. And then their record at the time in December was 14-15. and 15. Yeah. You know, after all of this, they had a four-game losing streak where they lost to Boston, they lost to Portland, they lost to Sacramento, and they lost to Denver. And it's like, what is happening? You know, this it quickly fell apart. They ended up finishing the season, <clears throat> excuse me, with 48 wins, which well, like, in retrospect, like that's pretty good to end the season like that. But it took them, I talked about like them rolling with Robertson. It took them a while to get rolling. It wasn't until mid-January that they started to win games. They won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games in a row in January. And that's when like things actually started to pick up. They beat they won that game in Philadelphia. I believe it was on a Sunday that they won that game and that put them at 30 and 20. But it felt pretty brutal. Um the first part of that season, things were just like not going well for them. And it was just kind of a sign of of things to come, but um man What a wild offseason, though. One of the best offseasons in Thunder history. Maybe, Maybe the best with regards to the amount of positive things that happened for the team. You know, it felt just going from it felt like we're going to be rooting for this mediocre team to are we the second best team in the entire NBA now? You know, like those are the conversations. They're some of the best, like most fun. Podcasts to do it was just these these uh, crazy emergency pods at the time um, yeah it was wild and you can go listen to like all of those are all available on iTunes if you have any interest in going and listening to those because um, maybe you're sick of listening to po- NBA podcasts about Kevin Durant um, okay hour 11 on one summer
2: but it deserves it right it deserves it it was, it was the best of all these summers it was the best one
1: it was It was the very best. Uh, all right, hope you guys have a great day. We'll be back on friday uh, we'll We'll leave you guys with one more who me from Carmelo Anthony.
2: Anthony. Um, how do you feel about you know starting at the four or the concept of starting at the four or even coming off
0: the bench? And the second question is who well, me oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, guess, um, I guess that answers that part I,
1: I mean I don't know where that started, where I came from. Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, Pete, they said I gotta come off the
0: bench. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, well, how do you- <laughs> I guess-